Welcome to Harvest Time. My name is Sebastian Basildua. Our host on this program is Pastor Gary Walton, the pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. We often have the opportunity on this program, we tell the stories of Harvest Baptist Church, featuring interviews with our members and other friends of the ministry. You can join us at Harvest Baptist Church this Sunday morning as we continue our series, How to Be a Man or Woman After God's Heart, Lessons from the Life of David, Part 5. Let's begin by welcoming Pastor Gary Walton. Welcome, Pastor. Hey, Sebastian. Good to see you here today. Normally, I'm sitting across from Chris Harper, who is off this week. So it's good to have you in here and get a chance to talk to you a little bit. Good to talk with you, Pastor. Yeah, so we're going to continue on in our series this Sunday morning. We've been working through the life of David in 1 and 2 Samuel. We finished up, I think, an interesting couple of passages last week where we talked about uh, uh, some chapters that uh, we don't always see in the highlights of David, but I think they're really the core of what God used to help train and equip David for the ministry in front of him. This Sunday, we're going to skip forward into 2 Samuel chapter 6. And again, this is an interesting story about the Ark of the Covenant. And the way we're titling is it uh, from David is learning to obey God in everything. At the beginning of this chapter, David tries to do something, I think, with the right motives in order to honor God, but he wasn't careful about how he went about it. And in fact, he took some shortcuts, and there's some consequences for that. So we'd like to talk about this step of obedience and how God really is asking us to obey him. And I think it's going to be very practical. So we're looking forward to that. And it's great for us to have with us Noah Kephart today. Noah is pastor, Noah, from... Corey, Pennsylvania. Noah, you've been at First Baptist Church in Corey for about a year, is that right? Roughly a year. Okay. And Noah is here this week, actually for the next couple of weeks, as part of our camping program. Pacific Rim Christian Camp is the next two weeks. We're in the middle of teen week right now, and then we're going to move forward next week to junior camp. But Noah's here as our speaker for these weeks, and we're praying that God would use your ministry in some special ways. But we're glad that you're here to be part of camp. It's been a great week so far. Excited to be here. Thankful for the opportunity to be here and interact with these teens and point them to Scripture, point them to the Word of God, point them to Jesus Christ. We're going to ask a little bit about your background, but you were mentioning to a couple different groups I've heard you talk about just your burden for camp. Why is camp important to you? I was saved at camp when I was 18, graduated from high school, was unsaved. I loved basketball. My life was a mess, and that would be confirmed by most everybody that knew me at the time. Went to camp, and God got a hold of my heart. God saved me. I felt the conviction of my sin and chatted with a friend of mine about Jesus. I knew I knew the gospel. I knew about Jesus, but it was not a real part of my life. I was not genuinely a Christian. And trusted Christ for the forgiveness of my sins at camp. And over the last, you know, 16 years, been able to be at camp, be around teenagers at camp. And I love the the opportunity that, that camp provides uh, teenagers to be taken out of their world and just focused, spend a week focused on God's word and on what God is trying to accomplish in their lives. So you said that you had known about Christianity before that. Did you grow up in a Christian home or did you go to church? I grew up going to a church, going to a good church. I made a profession of faith when I was seven, but it was a profession of faith that was more out of a fear of hell than it was out of, I'm a sinner before a holy God, 
and I need Jesus, and I need Jesus' righteousness. It was presented and, and presented as, you know, you need this to get out of hell. But that was it. And like every seven-year-old in the history of the world, no seven-year-old likes to be burned by fire. So I just, I didn't want to go to hell. So made that profession, but it was a, it was a false profession. It, it made no impact on my life. There was no change. There was no heart change. And uh, God made that very clear to me when I was 18. Yeah, tell me about that. What was different when you were 18? What what became clear to you? It, it was a realization that I was, I was going to go to hell because of my sin. I, I was a sinner that was standing before a holy God, uh, that I, I committed sins volitionally, I, I committed sins willfully, and, and I didn't care that, that God was holy and that I was a sinner. I, I loved my sin. And God just used a week at camp. The counselor that I had that week, a buddy of mine named Steve, he's now a buddy. Uh, he's a little bit older than I am, but God used Josh, a friend of mine, to just point me to point to Christ, point me to, to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, verse 25, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. I needed Christ. I needed Christ's death on the cross to pay for my sins. I was accountable to God for my sins. And, and God made that. That's a, that's a work that God has to do in me, had to do in me. I would not have chosen to be a Christian in any life, but God putting me under conviction gave me a realization that I was a sinner. I needed Jesus. Yeah, that's really interesting, Noah. A number of things that came together like for any of us at that time of of conversion you use the word profession of faith what's that mean you know if someone was listening to us and said i don't know what you're talking about profession of faith what do those terms mean for you profession of faith a declaration that that i'm a christian a profession of faith is is how essentially how i came to be a christian so it's saying with your words but with your heart that i believe in jesus christ what he's done for my sin believing in the heart confessing with the mouth that christ is lord that christ came and died for the sins that i had sinned before god yeah that's great and maybe i'll come back just for a minute to this camp idea too um i, I was saying you know all of these things different people in your life that you appreciated, but had a voice that you heard, you know, at that time of your life. I think that's important for a lot of us at the point when we came to Christ and experienced this new birth. There was somebody that was involved that was speaking a message that we maybe didn't understand or hadn't thought through before. But there is something special about the camp experience that sort of sets us apart. And what, what about that? I know you've been involved with camp for a lot of years since that time. What is it about camp that really allows us to maybe hear from God in a different way? It is taken out of the normal routine of life. It is young people taken out of their weekly schedules away from, you know, basketball practice, football practice, soccer practice, away from all those extracurricular activities, away from their friends, away from their normal routine and together, living together then for that week with a group of teenagers, with a counselor who cares about them, who genuinely is, is interested in their spiritual uh, well-being, in their spiritual condition. There's an emphasis on God's Word. This week, this current week, these young people have morning devotions, but that are prescribed for them. That They're given a book at the beginning of the week that has four passages that they'll walk through. These young people this morning walked through Psalm 139 talked about just God's 
care, God's interest, God's love for them, because before the foundation of the world, God knew them, that, that he intricately knit them in, in, in the womb before they were born. So they're walking through that four passages in the morning, just in their quiet time. We have morning chapels where they're sit underneath, sitting underneath the teaching and preaching of the word. There's a follow-up time where the counselors sit down with their cabin, sit down with 10 teenagers and walk through the passage that was just preached on in chapel. There's evening chapel where we'll again, we'll, we'll look at God's word again. And then there's evening devotion. So five times over the course of a day, they're sitting and talking and discussing scripture and God uses his word powerfully in the lives of teenagers. And so there's that taken out of the routine of life and putting underneath that the word, but there's also the element of prayer that people are praying for weeks of camp. I look back on my own salvation when I was 18, the guy's staff dorm at Iowa regular Baptist camp went back to their cabin that night and the guys that were on staff at that camp were praying specifically for me because most of them knew me and most of them knew what a mess I had made of life, what a mess that I, I was. And they, they knew that God was working on my life that night because before chapel, during chapel, after chapel, I was just not as rambunctious. <laughs> as I typically was. Uh, they knew that God was doing something and they were praying specifically for me. And and even this week here on the island of Guam, there are people praying specifically for this week of camp, the people of Harvest Baptist Church praying specifically for this week of camp, the church that I pastor back in Pennsylvania praying specifically for this week of camp, praying specifically for these teenagers that God would use his word this week in their lives. Yeah, and we have about 100 teens, I think, a little bit under 100 teens that are registered and part of the camp. So a lot of opportunities uh, for young people, and they're full of life. I've had a chance to see some of the things going on. They are enjoying the sessions, but there's a lot of other things that are going on as well. There's some crazy games and eating a lot of good food, and uh, I hear some cheering going on. So a lot of smiles oh, yeah. <laughs> running around campus. It's fun. And actually, I think that's part of really the whole camp experience is that you're forming some bonds and some friendships, not just with counselors, but with other campers, other people your age, and everybody is coming back, you know, time after time, back to the scriptures and back to the word. And you're right, God just really does use that in special ways. And that's what we've been praying for with the young people that are here this week. And then we'll follow up next week as well with junior camp for fourth through sixth graders. And you're going to be speaking at that as well. So a little bit different age group, but uh, it's going to be fun. No, yeah, looking forward to that week as well. All right, you mentioned your church back home, pastoring a church in Cory, Pennsylvania. So tell me about the process of God calling you to be a pastor. You said you're 18 years old, making a mess of a whole bunch of things, and you give your life to Christ, and then what? You know, what's the story of Noah Kephart after that period? I was, I was strongly encouraged, saved when I was 18, strongly encouraged by my mother, by a lady in, in the church that knew me to go to Bible college for at least one year. So I made the decision to go to Faith Baptist Bible College, which was very much a God-orchestrated thing. My other option for college was a local community college with all of my high school friends. I went to a public school there in Iowa, had a lot of unsaved high school friends that I would have been around as a new Christian, as a, as a weak Christian, um, 
that would have been a huge struggle for me. And so God orchestrated that, sent me to Faith Baptist Bible College. My original plan was to go there for a year to please my mom, this lady in our church, Lori, who's a very dear Christian, great part of our church back home. So I went there for a year originally, and God just kind of, he was growing me. And he was using uh, people there at, at Faith Baptist Bible College in my life. The dean of men uh, had an incident halfway through my freshman year of college at Bible College where I should have been expelled from the college. And the dean of men purposely did not expel me with the stipulation that he would be very intensely discipling me second semester. And, and that was a huge turning point in my life. I'm not sure if my dad was a Christian, but he was not a, a godly man. And... Sean put himself in my life and and was very much that father figure for me. There were other people that entered my life at that time, pastor by the name of Ken, who pastored about 10 hours from Ankeny, Iowa. He stepped in my life and he was very much uh, a father figure for me. He's the man that I call on Father's Day. And other relationships God used to mold me. And I stuck around faith for more than a year end up being a missions major, thought I wanted to go overseas. I love missionary biographies, thought I wanted to go overseas, spent a year in Peru, learned Spanish, had all of that going. Then an opportunity arose to travel for Faith Baptist Bible College. So I took that opportunity and got to spend, you know, the whole year traveling to Christian schools, telling people about faith, preaching in chapels, pointing people to the gospel, pointing people to Jesus, because I was asking myself the question, how can God get the most out of my life? One of my favorite passages to preach is Luke chapter 12. That is a parable that Jesus told his disciples. That was very much a passage of don't live for this world. That he tells a parable about a farmer who has ample goods laid up for many years, who has riches, who has wealth, who has ease, who has pleasure. And God called this farmer a fool said, this night your soul is required of you and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? And I don't want to be that guy that I have to ask myself, how can God get the most out of my life? And when I started to ask myself that question as I was going through Bible college, as I was traveling for faith, I would ask myself that question every year. And, And the answer, God would reveal that answer to me. God would open doors, close doors that would allow me to maximize my life for his glory and maximize the opportunities that I had to to point people to him. So when it came to being a pastor, that's not anything that I ever intended on. I am terrified, still terrified, speaking in front of people. I'm half terrified right now speaking on a radio program, knowing (laughs) that people are listening, even though they can't see me. Like I hated speech class in high school. I would get super nervous when I would have to have to do any preaching. I was never intending to be a pastor, but that's an opportunity that was presented to me that God put in front of my lap that I had to pray about, and God made it clear that this is an excellent opportunity to point people to Jesus. And so a year ago, we moved to Cory, Pennsylvania, my wife and I, to the church that she grew up in to serve as their pastor. And it's, it's a small, struggling church in a town that desperately needs a gospel preaching church and thankful for the opportunity to be there. And you're involved in a lot of different things. I think you told us that you're coaching basketball in the school. So just trying to do everything that you can to be involved in the community. Yeah, the opportunity to coach just came out. I'd show up at the high school at 6 a.m. Tuesdays and Thursdays. I played basketball, met the high school coach, developed a good friendship with him, and he asked me if I wanted to 
volunteer. So I volunteered as, as a volunteer coach this past year and then uh, became the JV coach, the assistant varsity coach. And it's a great opportunity to be around these guys and on, on the team three nights a week to be very connected in the community. I stick out. You can't see this on the radio, obviously, but I'm tall, I'm bald, and I have a decent-sized beard. <laughs> so I stick out. And uh, it's been a great opportunity to connect with people in the community and, and connect people to our church. The statement that you've made a couple times here, Pastor Noah, about how can God get the most out of my life is a great question. And it's the kind of question that, you know, when God puts that in our heart, it changes us, right? It changes our our futures, it changes our burdens. Tell me about how that's impacted your burden for young people in particular. I mean, you're here these weeks preaching primarily to young people. So this sort of mission statement that you've told us about, how's that impacting in this way? I've been able to be around young people the better part of the last eight years, traveling to Christian schools, spending a good chunk of my summers at camps, what I find even Christian young people struggle with is what John talks about in First John chapter 2, verses 15, 16, and 17. He tells his recipients, the recipients of First John, not to love the world. And First John chapter 2, verse 16, all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride in possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And I see Christian young people struggling with that, that they want to be successful in the world's eyes. They want to have the world's pleasures. They want to be liked by the world. They want to run after sin. And I was there. I was that young person that was running after sin. And I don't want to see young people going down that path. And I think I'm still young enough to relate to young people. I have a burden for them because I know what God saved me from. And if I can point as many young people to a purposeful life, the abundant life that John talks about in John chapter 10. I want to do that. All right, man, our burdens are with you for sure. And as you know, as a church, we've been praying for these weeks and praying for you that God would prepare your heart for this time, praying for our young people, again, about a hundred of them this week that are being impacted, not just by the preaching, but by counselors that are caring for them and giving of their time and their life, really, to just uh, provide a godly example and talk about Christ. So God bless you as you preach this week, and uh, thank you for being willing to, I know, leave church family, and I know your wife is still at home in Pennsylvania, so thank you for being willing to come out and minister to us and with us for these weeks. We're glad that you're here. It's a pleasure, my pleasure to be here. Thankful for the opportunity that, that God's given me to be here. And thank you for listening to this edition of Harvest Time. We'd like to personally invite you to services this weekend at Harvest Baptist Church. We begin Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. with children's programs and adult Bible fellowships. Stop at the kiosk in front of the auditorium to get directions to your class or your children's class. You can join us at Harvest Baptist Church this Sunday morning as we continue on our series, How to Be a Man or a Woman After God's Heart, Lessons from the Life of David, Part 5. If you need more information, you can visit our website at hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. Thanks again for listening to Harvest Time.